Uh, I have a confession to make to you guys. I've been here two and a half months. It's not a confession, so hopefully this is a safe place, but I am a terrible driver, uh, and I'm not good with directions. I live in a state whose motto is live free or die, and my driving motto is drive it like a rental. Um, <laughs> and apparently I'm not the only one, because two weeks ago, uh, I was in a, two and a half weeks ago, I tried to block it out, I was, a th- I was in a three-car pile on wreck on 93 at the Manchester split. I was the lead car, so it was not my fault. But pray for the 25-year-old who, who totaled two cars. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know about, about you, but um, uh, the, the, uh, the Maps app is a dangerous thing for me uh, because now I can drive as fast as I want and somebody else can think about where I need to go. Um, but, but here's the deal. We, we, uh, we, we trust on technology probably more than we actually care uh, to admit. Uh, in 2013, Apple released the Maps app, and it cost Scott Forstall, the Apple VP over that division, his job. Why? I'm glad you asked. Well, some poor guy in Alaska downloaded the Maps app, and this was actually a thing. The, the, the Apple Maps app took this guy on a runway in, uh, I believe it was Anchorage, Alaska. Now, thankfully, it was like either really early or late at night, and uh, planes were not uh, going on and off the, uh, the, the, the ramp, but Scott did lose his job. I can't imagine <laughs> the fear in that poor guy's uh, eyes and heart and mind behind the steering wheel but hold, hold on, like, notice that this was a guy, right? Like, at what point did he go, hmm, I'm not on a main drag here, right? But anyways, it cost Scott his job and probably gave that guy a few good stories. One of my favorite TV shows, I would say the best show ever, uh, The Office, uh, is basically a, a, a fake documentary show about a paper company in Dunder Mifflin. And Michael Scott and Rain, uh, Dwight Schrute, played by Rain Wilson, uh, are on some sales calls, and they're hitting up some companies around, uh, uh, around uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania, to sell paper. And they experience <clears throat> what I'm sure we've all experienced with the uh, Apple Apps app. When it tells us, make a right, well, does that mean I veer? Does that mean I turn? Does that mean that bear? Well, here's what happened. Proceed straight. Well, we're 0 for 6. Last chance is the Elmhurst Country Club. Other side of the lake on the southeast side. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I thought this would work. Through everything I had at that guy, nothing. That's how it goes sometimes, you know? You lose everything, everything falls apart, and eventually you die and no one remembers you. That is a very <laughs> good point, Dwight. Make a right turn. Wait, 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 no, 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 no. It means bear right. No. Up there. It said right, so take a right. No, 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 look. It, it means go up to the right, bear right, over the bridge, and hook up with 307. Make a right Maybe it's turn. a shortcut, Dwight. It said go to the right. It can't mean that. There's look, a lake right there. I think it knows where it is going. This is the, the lake. machine knows. This is the lake. Stop yelling at me. No, it's up there. There's no lake here. <laughs> Remain calm. I have trained for this. Okay. Exit the window. Here we go. Make a U-turn, if possible. Look out for Leighton! Michael! Are you okay? Swim for it! I got you! I got you! 
<laughs> the, the next thing, uh, Michael realized that he should have gotten renter's insurance. Uh, we, we, we've, all, we've all been there, so to speak, where uh, we, we thought we knew where life was going to take us. We had the right information, believed the right things, but we found, we found ourselves maybe not in a lake or on a runway, but um, at the end of a, a marriage, uh, at the end of uh, a bad breakup, um, avoiding holidays, because that means we have to talk to our parents. Uh, we, we, we all, we all, it doesn't matter if you're religious or not in this room. If you're convinced that Jesus is who he is or curious, we're, we're all, we all have different seasons in our life where we're, we're pretty sure this is the way we need to go, but man, it just doesn't turn out that way, does it? Uh, the writer of Psalm 32.8 records uh, God saying this, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. You get the sense that, that God is not just like our Lord, but he wants to disciple us, lead us, guide us, and develop us, especially in those pivotal moments where new seasons abrasively happen to us or uh, seasons that we work for also happen to us, you know, new, new marriage, new career, new friends, but also seasons that abrasively come upon us, the death of a loved one, uh, loss of a marriage, and so forth and so on. We've been in this series called Jesus Is uh, because we want to take a look at how Jesus describes himself, how he chooses to define himself. You, you, we, we've been saying, and I believe this is true even about religion in general, you actually don't get to go to the grave without deciding uh, if there is a God or if there isn't. It's just one of these things about life that we all, you know, we're, we're, we're dropped here, we're, you know, we raise, we, we meet friends that believe in a God, friends that don't, and somehow we have to figure out what is actually true, but, but not true for us, because that's a, that's a statement that's kind of a fad, but what's true, like, throughout, throughout human history. And so we've been looking at seven ways in which Jesus chose to define himself, okay? And really, he's not, he's not a, he's not a brow beater. If, if he had Facebook, he would not rant over people. Why don't you believe? He just kind of lays it out there, and if you want to follow him, you can. If not, then you don't have to, okay? I mean, obviously, there's consequences for both, right? And so the big idea of this series is that we want to take Jesus off of the shelf of our life and place him into our lives, meaning we, we don't want to settle, that would be my hope, we don't want to settle for Jesus just being a transactional relationship. And what I mean by that, when you're 7, 8, 9, 10, 13, or 28, you, uh, you, you had a rough go at life, you went to church for a season, became a Christian, got baptized, and that's kind of the, en- the end of your relationship with God. I, I think, sadly, for a lot of Americans, statistically, that, that's kind of how we approach God, church, religion, uh, anyways, today. But Jesus isn't interested in a transactional relationship, right? Like, what marriage would last if the spouse said, I'm only in it for what you can give me? I'm not going to give you anything, right? But how often do we interact with God in that way? Jesus wants not a transactional relationship, but a transformative relationship, a relationship of love and grace and honesty, truth and forgiveness. And in John 14, verses 1 through 9, we're going to discover Jesus's sixth statement 
that he chooses to define himself, and he's actually going to embody Psalm 32, this idea where God says, I've created you, I want to instruct you, I want to show you the way, and my eye will be on you. That's not, me- that's not meant to be like a creepy stalker phrase, but it's a, meant to be a phrase of a God that loves us and wants to guide us. Now, before we dig into this, Jesus is um, getting closer and closer to the cross. And, and typically what they say, there's a phrase, right, called famous last words. When we are fearful for our lives, we tend to be a little more honest, right, with how, how we're really thinking and processing things. And so Jesus has uh, a really difficult truth, it seems like, for the disciples to swallow, but he wants to encourage them, okay? And so this is the conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. In John 14, 1 through 9, John, uh, Jesus says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. So he's, he's, you, ever, you ever had to sit your kids down and tell them difficult news? And you try to encourage them beforehand? That's what Jesus is doing here. Okay, I have something important I want to tell you. Please don't freak out. <laughs> don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Yeah, yeah of course we do, Jesus. Well, believe also in me. So it, it, it's almost like, do they get it yet? Like that Jesus claimed to be God? Uh, my father's house, and he talks about his dad's house. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would not have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you, right? This is not punked. I'm not trying to pull a prank on you. This heaven is actually real. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back, and I'll take you there to be with me. You know the way to the place where I'm going, right? But Thomas, I love Thomas, that phlegmatic, comedic, question-driven kind of guy. We need those people in churches, just not in my small group. Uh, <laughs> Tom, I, I'm actually that person. Why? Tell me more. Tell me. And you're like, I don't know. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? We don't have an app. We don't have it. Remember those days? We don't have an atlas, right? We don't, we don't, we don't know where you're going. Jesus said, well, wait a minute. You do. We've been together for three years. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Like, wh- where I'm going, that, that's my house. And, and I, I open the door uh, for, for people to come in, right? If you really knew me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Listen, th- this is incredibly important, okay? Jesus is the only religious teacher, a historical religious teacher, the prophet of his team, representing Team Christianity, that says you cannot know a, the big man in the sky unless you know me, okay? That's important because every, you ultimately, I'm not coming, I'm not throwing this down your, th- you ultimately have to decide this for yourself, even if you go to church your whole life. Every other religious teacher of every major world religion, I'm a nerd, I, I've read all this stuff, all the prophets have said, I'm just a man, I'm just a woman, you can talk to God yourself. But Jesus is the only prophet that says, oh, I am a man. I'm also God in the flesh. And if you don't know me, you have no idea who the big man in the sky is. You have no idea who the father is. That, that is one of the clearest, like, I don't even, maybe, maybe you're not wrestling with this, but hopefully you do have friends that are wrestling. That is one of the clearest uh, divisions that Jesus has apart from other major world religions. Well, that's insensitive. That's narrow. What Jesus is talking about when Rome owned the land. Rome worshipped everything. 
Pilate could care less if Jesus was God. All he cared about, Pilate's the guy that basically gets Jesus on the cross. Pilate is a Roman politician. What do politicians care about? Their own careers. Like Jesus is one of million crazy nut jobs that claims to be this kingdom of God, this religion. And and, and for, for people like Pilate, for people in the Roman culture, Christianity or whatever movement that he was starting was one of a million other you know, religions on the edge of the Roman culture. And so it's the same thing as us in 2018. What do you mean there's only one truth? Well, this makes sense if you're, if you're following us in our series, right? Like, it just means that maybe for you, if you're not convinced that Jesus is who he is, he's that crazy. Because Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. Okay, great. You're like Mr. Rogers. Who cares? But then he says, I am the door. I'm the, I am the only entry point into worshiping God. Okay, that's a little offensive. And then he takes it another step further and says, I am that I am. <clears throat> the Jewish phrase for God that a Jew would not even say, let alone give them <clears throat> the title belt to wear around their waist. Nobody would ever claim to be that. And so in Jesus' mind, right, even, even if you're not convinced yet, he's just, he's just going to add on to the crazy and say, I'm the only way to heaven. Where, where I'm going, I, I'm the only path there. It's not on Google Maps. It's not on an atlas. You can't ask your buddies. You can't search online. I'm the only way to where I'm going. Philip said, Jesus, show us the Father. That'll be enough for us. Oh, okay, now we're taking orders. And Jesus says, don't you know me, Philip? Like, you can sense that Jesus is kind of hurt here. Even after I've been, like, we've been together for three years. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? I look like my dad. We have the same interests. We care about the same things. We get angry about the same things. If you've seen me, I'm just like my dad. Philip, like Thomas, it, it, it's me. There's a reason why Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. The word troubled is the same word last week that Jesus experienced when he was too late and his buddy Lazarus was dead. Troubled in the Greek means, let me take a step back, your heart is meant to be centered, right? It doesn't matter if you're religious or not. The part of the human experience is we have to give the heart meaning. It is aggressive, okay? Like a hungry corgi, which I own one. It, is a gr- it wants meaning, it wants purpose. And we go to lengths to find meaning and purpose for our lives, okay? And so what Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you a difficult thing to hear, but I want your hearts not to be troubled. It's the image of when a ship is at sea and it's being tossed back and forth, right, by waves. It's at the mercy of the wind. And if our hearts are troubled, we are at the mercy of of whatever emotional response we're giving to whatever we're, we, reality that we're in. Does this make sense? And so much of what we don't talk about in the church is our mental health. Like, that is so important to our spiritual development. But we don't talk about it for some reason. But Jesus talks about it all the time. It, the, this idea of, uh, of have a, having a troubled heart, we don't say it like that, but we say things like, I've said this before, past couple weeks, this move is stressing me out. I don't know why... Uh, getting my driver's test is freaking me out. I have so much anxiety about my meeting tomorrow with my boss. Those are, that's language 
for a troubled heart. And sometimes we, we, we only want to keep Jesus on the shelf because he's like religious and for Sunday morning and, and not for when I walk into the boardroom and have a meeting with my boss. He, he, he's not for like, <clears throat> how do I have relationships when I have big seasons where I have to move across the country? Or, or he's not really worried about me getting driver's test or dating somebody or getting... Yeah, he, he is. And Jesus says, don't let your heart be Teresa back and forth at the mercy of whatever underdeveloped thing that's inside of you. Hearts were not meant to be thrown back and forth. Hearts were meant to be still. It's in this context where Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And I want to break that down with what time we have left. First of all, Jesus says that the way of Jesus is the way of relationship. So many times we have this escapism theology, right? Politics is terrible. <clears throat> the environment's going to you know where. I'm just going to put my head down like a running back and can't wait to be with God, right? But Jesus doesn't describe heaven as a place that we go to, although that it is, don't shoot me. He talks more about this as being a relationship. If you want to get to a destination, Jesus says you have to know me. Francis Chan, a Christian pastor, author, uh, asked, this is heavy, I don't like it, but I'm just going to share it anyways, asked this very telling question. If heaven was filled with all of your favorite people, but Jesus was not there, would you still want to go to heaven? Maybe, yes. Sometimes, yeah, because I miss some people. Honestly, truth, 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 yeah, sure, sure. But, but, but here's the deal, right? If Jesus is telling the truth and that the way of Jesus' relationship, not, not hunkering down, not sharing our faith or doing anything in New England with the gospel, if it's just hunkering down, when we get to heaven, well, my friend Emily, a student I had 10 years ago, said this, if Jesus is boring to you now, heaven will be boring to you later. She was like 15 when she said that. Boom, mic drop. Because here's the deal, right? When, I know you guys, when you sit at the airport and you, you creep on people and you watch people embrace after they've been gone for a long time, People that, are, that, are, that have the most intimate, intense connection, and they embrace after being separated for a long time, the, the, the embrace is that much more intense because they love the person that they missed. So in other words, what my friend's saying is if Jesus is just a religious figurine that's hanging on the shelf and not really transforming your life, when you, and you, you know, you're Christian, you still go to heaven. When you, I don't, I'm, I've not died. I don't know what this is like. But when you go into the house or whatever, it's almost like Jesus is in the corner hanging out with Moses and Ruth and and trying to set Adam straight <laughs> back in the garden, right? Whole thing, it's his fault, right? And it's like you walk in and you're like, oh, there's Jesus. Oh, we've got any good drinks around here? You see what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, it's not, it's a, you've looked at heaven as a destination that I finally oh, get to breathe. I, I don't believe this, but I had a boss at one of my churches, well, maybe I should, that said, uh, if we actually lived life in the rhythm of Jesus, nobody would actually need a vacation, because our hearts would be at rest. Our hearts would be still. And Jesus says, the way to where I'm going isn't a destination, but it's a relationship. In Luke uh, 4.12, uh, Luke says this about Jesus. Jesus is the stone the builders rejected. Basically, the Jews said, I don't believe you, Jesus. The cross is not beautiful. We're moving on. Uh, which has become the cornerstone. So the disbelief of the Jews became the pivotal thing that, that uh, Christianity arose from. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no name under heaven given to mankind 
but which we must be saved. I was a, uh, believe it or not, a construction worker, don't laugh, in high school, and my uncle was a crew chief for a surveying company, and I, I was the I was the poor sap that had, to, that had to walk 300, like three football fields into new subdivisions. And I would take with me, uh, this is a, a plumb bob. Uh, you can really poke your eye out with this guy. And I almost have a few times. And so what I would do is walk the two to 300 yards into this new subdivision because we were laying out curbs and streets and different houses. And I would have to stand over a stake that I drove in the ground a day, a week, a month ago, and there would be a tack on it, and I have to bend over like this, drop my plumb bob, and wait for it to be still, which I told you I'd drive fast. I'm not good at being still. And then the guy behind, I don't know, camera or some machine, he'd say, got it, or he'd say, tack it, and I'd tack it. I'd hit this on the tack and pull it up and move on. Here's why I'm saying this. <clears throat> because if that tack is just a centimeter or half an inch off, that's going to throw the whole neighborhood off. So what's Luke saying about the Jesus way? That all of humanity is centered on Jesus. Like our faith is centered on, not, not that like we need to keep Jesus first, like a high school yearbook, but we need to keep Jesus at the center of our life. So what does that mean? So we're over here trying to raise kids. Holidays are coming. Got to deal with the in-laws. Uh, we're over here wrestling with our finances. Our health isn't where it wants to be. And our hearts are... Uh, I think it's Teresa, they're, they're troubled, they're going back and forth. And what Luke is saying is that if Jesus is our cornerstone, we need to come back to the center of reality, drop the plumb bob, or look into the scriptures, make Sunday morning a priority, make going to a small group a priority for wisdom and discernment. And, and, and as you notice, the line of the plumb bob still, because it's just an illustration, I was moving on, was still moving back and forth. Right? Just because we open the Bible, just because we go to church, just because we go to small group, doesn't mean our hearts instantly stop moving back and forth. Okay? Our hearts are going to move back and forth. You get to decide the meaning that it, gets to wrestle, that it gets to rest in. And not only does Luke say Jesus is our cornerstone, but he's also our salvation. If you read the Gospels, there's this beautiful progression of being saved in the Greek. It's you are saved at one point in your life, you will be saved on the other side of eternity, and you are presently, currently being saved right now. Uh, anybody ever have kids and what they're building with Legos falls apart and you regret having them, but you, you don't tell them that, right? Salvation is having a broken life and God coming to, to earth and sozoing our life, putting it back together. When does that happen? When we're just dreaming about Jesus? No, when we're coming back to the cornerstone, the focal point of our life. If your relationship with Jesus is just transactional, you're not, this is not important to you. And Jesus says, I want a transformative relationship. I want this to be important to you. It takes us a step further. And he says, the way of Jesus is truth. Truth is no longer a concept in, the, in a book. Truth is now a person. And, 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 and here's the deal, man. Oh, man, it's so easy to make fun of religion because we're, we're easy targets, preachers and churches and all that stuff. Churches make coming to Jesus really difficult, and it's unnecessary. So, so what does Jesus say if his way is truth? 
What is the most, tr- what is the truest, I'm, I was not, I'm not good at English, all right? Bear with me. What is the truest, yeah, you're paying attention. What is the truest thing about me as a person? And if there is a God, what is the truest thing about that deity? And what if, what if Jesus, who we've been listening from for the last seven weeks, uh, six weeks, this is week, I can't remember, Pastor Math, last seven weeks, like, what if he could just speak for himself? And let's just cut through the religious stuff. What would Jesus say? Well, <clears throat> the way of truth gives me a new release on life. This is, these are all statements from Jesus, okay? He says, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near, repent. What a PR nightmare if you're representing Jesus. That is not a cool thing to say, Jesus. But repentance, it, it, you, ever, you, ever, um, you ever had a uh, bad relationship with someone, like a family member or a friend, that, that you really messed up? And you've just been intimidated and afraid to call them, email them, text them. And, th- and then they call you. Like, hey, I haven't heard, you, heard from you in a while. And, and you bring up what you thought was like just a deal breaker in the relationship. And then maybe they laugh or, or they're like, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's done. I, I forgot about it. I think that's a lot of us how we interact with God. We're so afraid to go to church. We're so afraid to approach him one-on-one. And, and, and repentance is this beautiful phone call where God says, you're off the hook. My, my kid did it for you. Why, why don't you come home? Stop sulking in your regret. Stop sulking in your depression, in your anger, in your hostility. Start breaking down those walls. You can come home. <sighs> okay, I have a new release on life. Secondly, we get a new language. Jesus says, if anyone confesses, before me. If, if anyone is cool with sharing their faith with other people, I'm cool with telling my dad that they belong to me. Kind of the Ben Seaman translation. So not only do we get to repent, but we get, but we get to tell people that we have a new language. We're understanding what grace and truth and the way actually looks like for our lives. And it's not a, it's not a theoretical concept in a book called the Bible. It's a person. It's a relationship with Jesus. Thirdly, we get a new perspective. Jesus says, believe in me when I say I am the Father are one. Basically, believe that I'm God. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works of themselves. Remember, we said that if Jesus rolled up here in 2018, said I'm God, we'd be like, wait a minute, let's call Richard Dawkins, the leading atheist, and let's see who's going to win the debate. But in the first century, it's wait a minute, show us some miracles. Thank you, Jesus, for the water and the wine at the wedding. Um, but uh, when we come to Jesus in truth, we get a new perspective. We, we get a new cornerstone, right? We're leaving humanism, which humanism says you have to trust yourself. That the greatest lie that you can believe is that, every, that life is always about you. <laughs> it's not. I know, I'm still learning this. But, but, but when you're a humanist, meaning, meaning you, you're just kind of eh, about religion, whatever, it doesn't matter. When you go back to your cornerstone, it's what you think is true, what you think is right, what you think is good for this next season. And here's the deal. Sometimes you're not wrong. Sometimes you're right. And when we're right, sometimes that's dangerous because it keeps us from trusting in the cornerstone that created this thing that we're in called life. And fourthly, which is beautiful, we have a new moment now, a new moment Jesus said to Nicodemus, this religious guy, all right, 
typical guy, just, just cut it. What do I need to do to become a Christian? How do I go to heaven? Jesus says, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless you're born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Women give birth to babies. But the spirit gives birth to your spirit. You should not be surprised by my saying, uh, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Our new moment is baptism. Our new moment is saying, I'm ready to declare that Jesus is who he claimed he is. I'm going to cross the line from curious to convinced. I'm going to place my faith, declare that publicly in the waters of baptism. Straight up. Like, I, the, the, I just told you what Jesus said, okay? Doesn't matter how you grew up. Doesn't matter what denomination you grew up in. This is Jesus speaking for himself. If he's just a man, these are all opinions. But if he's God, this is his ultimate authority. And, and this is a heavy thing. To, to, I, I get this, to sit there and listen to, listen to this. Because we're talking about the things that are most true and beautiful and frightening all at the same time this morning. Jesus is not giving you his opinion. He's telling you how life works if he actually is who he claimed to be. Thirdly and finally, the way of Jesus is the way of life. And it, oh man, this, oh man, I'm going to go Pentecostal here in a second. In verse 12 through 14, Jesus says, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. They will, listen, RCC will do even greater works than these. We will do greater things than Jesus. It kind of sounds heretical, doesn't it? But he said it. Because I am going to the Father. I have to leave now. But, but listen, th th there's a whole world for the taking. There, there's a kingdom that needs to advance. I, 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 just, I just did the beginning stages of exponential leadership. We do this all the time in corporations and companies, right? We grow through multiplication, not addition. I started the movement. You guys go do it, right? And then he says, you may ask me anything in my name, and I will do it. Jesus promises that all churches will do greater things than what he did. Okay, I'm, I'm, we're not diminishing the cross. Please don't. I don't want to lose my job. I like it here. That's not, that's not what we're saying. But what we are saying is that sometimes we get so caught up in heaven being a destination, like I can't wait to talk to Moses, which would be kind of cool. I, I personally can't wait to talk to Ruth. That's one of my favorite books. Uh, Ruth is an amazing woman of God. Some of you want to go up to Adam and Eve and just slap him a few times, all right? This is all your fault. These guilt trips I've been giving myself. But there's this phrase, there's this phrase in the Old Testament where people plead and beg to the Lord, God, may I see your face. Moses did it in Exodus 33, show me your glory. David did it in Psalm 31, make your face shine on me. Daniel observed it in Daniel 7, 9. I kept looking until the thrones were set up and the ancient of days, reference to Jesus, took his seat. His vesture was like white snow. His hair, <laughs> oh, this is like a Metallica album. His hair, the head of like pool wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. His wheels were like burning fire. Even God tells the Israelites, I will not hide my face from them any longer, for I will pour out my spirit on the house of Israel, declares the Lord. When we get to heaven and we want to talk to our favorite Bible characters, Moses is like, I don't want to talk about a burning bush. I don't want to talk about Charlton Heston and the Ten Commandments. What's it like to have the Spirit of God living inside of you? What's it like to live under the new covenant of love and grace and mercy? Not of the Torah and obedience and law-keeping and constantly dragging down. Do you, do, Moses like, do you know what my people went through just to get to I, I didn't even get to go and see the promised land. 
Church, you will do greater things. What is this experience? Just to like check it off a list? Or, or is Jesus talking about a movement here that people need to know the way of relationship, that people need to know the way of truth, which is not some sort of dogmatic things in a book. It's Jesus. He knows us more than we know ourselves. And he knows the Father more than we do because they're one and the same. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You will do greater things. Can you imagine being in heaven and all those Old Testament men and women turning the tables on you, obviously to your surprise, and they said, you know, we did so much to go from death to life, and you're under the new, you're under the new covenant. What did you do in New England in 2018? What, what, what did you do with the message? It's not a question of guilt, but, but, but our forefathers, Moses and Abraham and Isaac and, 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 and Ruth and all, all of them, Jonah even, they all paid the path for us in this moment right now that we might do greater things, that the Spirit of God might move in our town and in the lives of our people. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for your, your honesty. And there's so much, uh, man, with technology, we are, we are not short of information, but we are short of transformation. And you just cut through that cloth. You just, you just tell it like it is. Here I am. There's a lot of things screaming for your attention. There's a lot of religions and different gods you can believe in and follow. But here's the truth of who I am. If you want to go where I'm going, have a relationship with me. Repent, believe, confess, be baptized, and I will show you the depths of who you are. And I love you, and I am for you, and I want to remind my friends today that the deepest truth of who they are is that they are a beloved son and daughter of God. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.